I got away. Okay, Matthew chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse 1. There's a few sections here, you're going to have to guess which one I'm preaching on. Okay? Just one of them. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye, when you can't see past the log in your own eye? That's humour, in case you didn't get that. Hypocrite, Jesus said. First, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. Not that verse. I'm not preaching that one. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. Verse 7. Keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives everyone who seeks find, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Verse 12, do to others what you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Verse 13, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. So, we're working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, a series called Jesus Revolution. The book that I've been reading by R.T. Candle has a, essentially a chapter by ver- for, for verse. It's 91 chapters long. I didn't think we'd appreciate a 91-week preaching series. In fact, we've accelerated. You know, we spent nine weeks on chapter five, a mere two weeks on chapter six. We're going to spend two weeks on chapter 7. As I, as I look through this stretch, you know, I've preached on judging others actually a couple of times quite recently, came up in the series on the book of James. I've covered prayer in this series. Um, you've got the, the golden rule there in, in verse 12, do to others what you'd like them to do to you, and that's a key verse, of course. But the, the one that grabbed my attention was verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate is the title of the message. Next week we're going to wrap it up with a section on on rock and sand, which is a really good place to end. But essentially, by the time we get to verse 13, Jesus is now summing up. And he says, this is the NIV, says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. 
But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. What we have it here is a, a dramatic illustration. I'd like for a second, as it were, for you to close your eyes and imagine the scene. You're taking a walk, and you come to a, an opening, and there before you are two gateways. The first one, the one on the left, is, is, is wide, and it's broad and great. Crowds of people are being sucked towards this gate. And then next to it is a small and a narrow gate, perhaps a thin one that takes maybe one or two people at a time. You step back to examine the scene, and you see that the wide gate leads to a wide path, and this path is surging with people marching along it. And then your right attention switches to the small gate and beyond that is a narrow and a difficult road. And you look ahead and actually there's only a handful of people weaving their way along that path. You know, there's a, a popular misconception, I think, in the modern Christian world that this blessed life will be easy and comfortable. It'll be all smiles. It'll never be too stretching. It'll be warm and cozy and fuzzy. I think you can listen to some preaching and that's the impression you get. There's an idea, you know, that the, the safest place you could possibly be is right in the centre of the will of God. But the reality, actually, Jesus didn't come to keep us safe. Actually, he came to make us dangerous. The reality is there is a blessed life, but it doesn't necessarily look like that. Jesus is saying, actually, it looks like this. And we worked our way, didn't we, through the Beatitudes. You know, it may well be as you're walking along this narrow road, as you're living this blessed life, it may well be that you find yourself hungry and thirsty. It may well be that there are times of mourning, you may find yourself being persecuted. You might experience some suffering along the way. You know, along, in this blessed life, there needs to be purity. You're going to have to make unpopular choices. You're going to have, as we've read through Matthew 5 and 6, you're going to have to give up personal rights. You're going to have to forgive whatever. You're going to have to turn the other cheek even when you are in the right. You're going to have to love and pray for and bless your enemies, even as they curse you. Jesus in his teaching, didn't he, he said that you're going to have to deny yourself, you're going to have to take up your cross, and you're going to have to follow me. And, and you even need to be prepared to share in my suffering. And actually, if you read the book of Acts, and you read about the early church fathers and the road that they walked, Think about all the, the, the horrific martyrdom of those, uh, those first apostles. You read Paul's writings, look at this incredibly sobering list of the things he experienced, that he was beaten, that he was stoned, that he was shipwrecked, that he was mocked, that he was imprisoned. Easy and comfortable, blessed life. I'm not so sure. So, back here into Matthew chapter 7. Jesus makes it fairly clear, it's a narrow gate. And it's a difficult road, folks. And it says that not many find it. 
Not many choose it. It says there is another way. It's easier, it's safer, it's more attractive, lower cost, less sacrifice, but it just doesn't get you there. Do a little bit of theology here. This verse actually is not about personal salvation, although it is often quoted in that context. There's an implication here as we reach the summary of this passage, in essence, that this is written to believers who are already on the journey. And actually, it's not so much about salvation, but about reward and inheritance. And the idea is behind the wall, with the narrow gate in it, behind that wall is our inheritance in Christ. It's what God offers us in the here and now. It's, it's the pathway, if you like, to kingdom fruit. It says, sadly, not many make it through that gate and therefore they miss out on the freedom and the fullness and the, faith, the fruitfulness that Jesus offers. Now, if you read Paul's writing, he was never worried about whether he'd make it to heaven. That, that was settled for him. He was concerned about whether he would get the prize or the crown or the reward. If you look at the parallel passage in Luke, Luke 13, 24, it talks about striving. It says, in the New Living Translation, it says, work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom, for many will try to enter but will fail. The Amplified says, strive to enter by the narrow door. It says, force yourself through it. Now, I think we have settled, haven't we, that works is not a requirement for salvation. Ephesians chapter 2 says, salvation is by grace. It is a gift of God given freely so that none of us can boast about it. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23 says, but the gift of God is everlasting life. So works is not a salvation requirement, certainly not strive, certainly not work hard, certainly not force yourself through the door. This isn't about striving for salvation, this is about choices for kingdom fruit, for inheritance for reward. It's written to believers that are already on the journey. And it's talking about the choices, the hard choices that they're going to have to make. And in essence, the hard choices, the right choice is the narrow gate. You haven't worked that out. And the wrong choice is the wide gate. As you, as you read this passage, you'll see that the two different gates lead to two different distinct destinations. The narrow gate leads to life, and the wide gate leads to destruction. In the Greek, the word for destruction is apelia. In my New Living Translation, it translates this as the highway to hell. That is a poor translation. It is not the Greek word Hades. It is this word which means destruction and ruin and waste, literally. It means the blowing of inheritance. It means the squandering of opportunity. Most translations, actually, if you look through, use the word destruction 
in that case. So in, the, in this, as you go through the wide gate, hell is not the destination. The destination is disappointment. It's failure. It's wasting your God-given talents. It's missing your purpose. Look through the Bible narrative and you'll see lots of different characters for whom this was the case. King Saul in the Old Testament. Eli the priest. These people who chose the wide path rather than the narrow one. There's a little example in the New Testament of a, a, a disciple called Demas. 2 Timothy 4 verse 10 said, because he loved the world, Paul said, he has deserted me. This is someone who chose the wide path rather than the narrow gate. Sadly, too many Christians choose the wide path. Some from the tough school would argue that actually the people choosing the wide path were never truly converted in the first place. Which I'd say maybe. But maybe actually what's happening here is we're talking about people who remain as baby Christians. Well, the old King James talked about carnality, the choice between spirituality and carnality, fleshliness, worldliness. Maybe we're talking about people who failed to make that separation from their old life. They stay in the world. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's an imperative, that's a choice. We can choose to remain conformed to the world, or we can choose to be transformed, have our minds renewed by the engrafted word of God. Maybe we're talking about people who end up on the wide path because they make bad choices in low moments. Maybe when they're vulnerable to attack, the enemy, enemy capitalizes on their weaknesses, if I can spit my words out, and leads them astray. My mum used to say many wise things to me. One of them was, son said, the unhappiest person is a Christian trying to live in the world. Uh, and I think it's true. Uh, Mark Batterson, in his book All In, which I recommend, said, there are many people who are too Christian to enjoy sin, but too sinful to enjoy Christ. Kind of caught in this betwixt and between. We're talking about people who are saved, people who've made a decision for Jesus, but they end up in this kind of midway, perhaps in the wilderness, if you want to use that picture. He goes on to say they have just enough Jesus to be informed, but not enough to be transformed. The destination down the wide path is waste, the destruction, a failure to receive that inheritance. On the other side, the destination through the narrow gate is life. The word here is the word zoe. We find this in John 10, verse 10, famous verse. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus, I have come that you might have life, abundant life, life to the full, life in all its fullness. The word zoe literally means absolute fullness of a life which comes, belongs to God. Real and genuine life. Life that is active and vigorous. Devoted to God. Blessed resurrection life. That is what we've been offered. That is what you find through the narrow gate. Romans 8 verse 4 says, For to be carnally minded is death, 
but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. John 6.63, the Spirit alone gives eternal life from the word Zoe, being made alive. Human effort accomplishes nothing and the very words Jesus said that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Zoe. So, in the New Living Translation here, verse 13, it says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. As I read that, a few words to put out. first one is you. This is open and available to every single one of us. We can go through this gate. The next word is the word enter. We have to enter in, not just sit on the outside. We have to enter in to God's kingdom. You know, we can step across into, we can press into, we can live in the reality and fullness of Zoe, life. And I think Jesus is saying, you know, through this, this sermon that I've given you, I, I've described the kingdom. I've told you what it looks like, how it's characterized, how totally different it is. And you can enter that very kingdom, but you have to go through the narrow gate. R.T. Kendall describes the kingdom of God, and I love it. It says, the kingdom of God is not a place like a church or something political. It is the immediate and direct presence of the Holy Spirit. I love that. And so there's an offer here. And the offer is that you can live in that reality. You can walk with God. You can experience his ongoing kingdom, his ongoing direct, immediate presence. That closeness, that leading, that comfort, that strength, that wisdom. This is kingdom life in its fullness. But you have to enter by the narrow gate. Because the wide one just doesn't go there. The wide one won't do it. It will not deliver on its promises. It will not produce resurrection life, kingdom fruit, the fullness of the Spirit. You can come to church and pray for it all you like. If you're walking through the wide gate and down the wide path, you will not find it because that is the road to Apollia, not the road to Zoe. Jesus, of course, says clearly that few will find, that few will choose this way. Sadly, not many will make it from carnality to spirituality, from immaturity to maturity. Not many will step across into the supernatural. Not many people will get this Jesus revolution. Not many people will be prepared to turn everything upside down because it's a hard choice. And he says, you are free, of course, to choose the wide gate that leads to the broad road. On that path are more opportunities, possibly more money, greater popularity. It's easier. It's more comfortable. If you walk down that road, you're not going to have to deal with the old baggage. You're not going to have to let go. You're not going to have to give up. You can keep going along with your flesh to your heart's content. You don't need to do that hard forgiving. 
that he's talked about. You don't have to do the turning of the other cheek. You don't have to do the praying for the persecutors. You don't have to bless people when they curse you. If you choose the wide path. Okay, so, what is this narrow way? Having set all of that up, let's talk about what the narrow way is. And I think the clues are to be found in the rest of this sermon. If we trace our way back in the path from verse 13, back all the way through, we can see what Jesus has just been essentially describing what the narrow way looks like. First of all, verse 12, it's a life that is going to be governed by the golden rule. Do to other people what you would have them do to you. Then back into the verses before, the narrow way is going to be a life of persevering prayer. Asking, seeking, knocking, trusting, contending. Not many people choose that way. Back into uh, verses 1 through 7 of chapter 7. 1 through 5 of chapter 7. It's going to be a way of grace rather than of judgment. So there is no place on the narrow way for judging and gossiping and criticizing. Those things are easier to do those things that are to be found on the wide way. You know, it's, it's tough to walk with messed up people. It's tough to see past failure to redemption. It's tough to give people that hurt you second, third, and fourth chances. That's the narrow way. The narrow way is the way that chapter 6, verse 33, that seeks God first, as we talked about last week. You know, it's hard to put his kingdom before yours. To unroot that selfishness, to surrender that will. Go back into the rest of that section there in chapter 6 that talks about anxiety and fear and God providing and all that kind of thing. The narrow way is the way of faith. It's the way that patiently trusts God to provide. Patiently trusts God to intervene. Patiently trusts God to avenge. You know, it's easier to try to fix it yourself. It's easy to become your own Lord, your own source, your own provider. The trouble is, as Jesus explains, that's the road to worry. The narrow way is a way that seeks the approval of God rather than the approval of man. It seeks the fear of God rather than the fear of man. It does it God's way, even if it's unpopular. Contrast that with the wide way. Do what you like. Look for people's approval. Look for people's popularity. Go with the crowd. Take the path of least resistance. Then we start heading back into the beginning of chapter 6, chapter 5. The narrow way is a way, as we described it, that walks in furious love. It's a way that forgives whatever. Don't see a lot of that in the world. It's a way that turns the other cheek. It's the way that prays for people when they persecute you. It's a way that returns blessing for curses. It's a way that loves even its enemies. And finally, going back into the beginning of the sermon, the Beatitudes there, the narrow way is a way that cooperates with the transforming work of the Holy Spirit that allows him to root out the anger and the lust and the pride that he talks about that allows the Holy Spirit free reign in our lives. Rather than sticking up masks of self-righteousness and blocking him and resisting him, gives him 
free reign. That's the narrow way. If you choose it. As always, there's, there's a great deal we could zoom in on here. I thought that I'd look at it from two specific angles, and then I'll wrap up. The first angle is that the narrow way is an opting out. And then the second angle is that the narrow way is an opting in. Let's talk about those. Opting out. The narrow way is a whole lot of saying no. It's not a very popular message, is it, in modern day Christianity? You know, modern preaching is criticised for painting an overly rosy picture of everything you can have in God without talking about what you can no longer have. It allows us to buy in without selling out. You know, we've got to be so careful not to neglect the prominent message of repentance. That we are called to a pursuit of holiness and of purity and of integrity. And the narrow way is a turning of the back on sin. Deliberate, willful sin and the narrow road are incompatible. You know, if you want to walk down the narrow road, you've got to leave the worldly ways behind. You've got to choose one or the other. The old life has to be crucified. Someone painted the picture, the narrow gate being so thin that you can't get through it with all the baggage on, all the hurt and all the pain, all the sin, all the old life. If you come like that, you're not, just not going to be able to squeeze through the gate. Actually, you've got to leave all of that behind if you want to be able to make it through onto the narrow way. Opting out. You know, we must stand for sexual purity in the face of an avalanche. And it is. We must say goodbye to innuendo, goodbye to flirting, goodbye to watching certain movies. Jesus said, didn't he? He said, if it causes you to sin, pluck your eye out, cut your hand off, do whatever it takes to steer clear of impurity so that you can walk the path of purity. And if you want to walk down this, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to put to death those appetites. There's no place on the narrow road for rage. You can read the list in Galatians 5 and Ephesians 4 and bad language and jealousy, drunkenness, lust, deceit, lies do not belong on the narrow road. A whole lot of saying no, opting out. Personal integrity must matter more than people's approval. The narrow path is not a popularity contest. People will not like your choices and it'll hurt you to watch the choices that they're making on the wide road. In summary of all that, you may have to bite your lip, you may have to walk away from that opportunity, you may have to lose that friendship, you may have to turn down that opportunity to that show, opting out. I read the story of a man by the name of George Beverly Shea. Some of you know who he is. I'll tell you the story and then you'll all know who he is. Very talented young man with a phenomenal singing voice and a world of opportunity was on the verge of opening up to him. And he was receiving offers from the Big Smoke, the Big Apple, New York City to come and find fame and fortune. 
And his mother looked at him and she was concerned, so one day she left a poem on his piano. And the piano read this. Next slide. He said, I'd this is not the whole poem. He said, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than house or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. George Beverly Shea went on to be Billy Graham's soloist. He sang in Billy Graham's crusades for 50 years and watched the crowds of thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands, probably millions of people, come to salvation in Christ. What an honor. What an opportunity that he had. What did he have to turn down? He turned down the wide path. He chose the narrow path. And the legacy that he leaves will be so much more significant as a result. Think of biblical examples. Think of Joseph there back in the Old Testament. Read through the story of Joseph. He repeatedly said no. Didn't he? He said no to Potiphar's wife. Found himself in jail. It took him many, many, many years. But look where he ended up. Last week we looked at the example of the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler was offered the narrow way. But it said that he went away sad because he couldn't give up all the things he was going to have to give up. He opted for the wide path. So the first angle is opting out. A whole lot of saying no. Swinging that round to the positive, the other thing is a whole lot of opting in. Not just negative choice, but positive choice. We get to choose self-denial and self-control. These are positive choices. Choosing submission and surrender and sacrifice. Choosing suffering. Choosing service. Choosing spirit. I love that list of S's there. All of those are qualities of amazing strength. All of them exemplified by Jesus. And we can see all of those qualities endorsed throughout the Sermon on the Mount. Because this is the blessed life. But you can see why Jesus said that few will choose it. In Jesus' own ministry, in the early stages... There was tremendous healing and miracles and provision. He fed the 5,000. There were great crowds. And then about halfway through, he changed gears. And he started talking about commitment. He started talking about suffering. He started, started talking about sacrifice. Take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. And do you know what happened when he did that? People started dribbling away. The crowds started to thin out. There's an old saying, isn't there, that salvation is free. Following Jesus will cost you everything. You will have to make hard lifestyle choices if you're going to choose the narrow way. You'll have to make financial concessions. You'll have to decline attractive offers. 
You may have to turn down date invitations, business opportunities, even promotions. You have to close doors for your kids. Think of the Sunday morning sport thing again that comes and haunts us over and over in our family. There's a whole lot of saying no. But there's also a whole lot of saying yes. We get to say yes to Jesus. We get to say yes to discipleship. We get to say yes to his word. Yes to truth. Yes to light. We get to say yes to worship. And yes to his presence. Yes to the whisper of his voice. We get to say yes to honour. We get to say yes to authority. We get to say yes to the way of love and of grace and of compassion. There's so much for us to step into, but few choose to. What an invitation. So why would we choose the narrow way? Number one, because we love Jesus. Number two, because Jesus is calling us to take that road. And number three is because that is where he is to be found. You know, the greatest difference between the two ways is not so much that one is wide and the other is narrow, but one is where God is. You can walk the other way, you just won't find the presence of God there. If you step off the narrow path, you walk away from his presence. You walk away from his provision. You walk away from his promises. You walk away from his protection. He still loves you. He'll still lead you. He'll still do the very best he can for you. But your choices limit what God can do in your life. You know, it's so easy as we stumble and fall to blame God. It's much harder to look in the mirror and examine the choices that we've made. But I am convinced that God is forever trying to draw us on to the narrow road. On that narrow road, God is walking with you. Or perhaps better stated, you are walking with God. And it is on that narrow road that you have access to a whole bunch of good stuff. You have access to his counsel because now you're listening. You have access to his protection because now you're obeying. Access to his presence because now you are, sorry, his power because now you are trusting. His presence because now you are inviting. His grace because now you are receiving. To living water because now you are drinking. I'm thinking, why? Why would you turn that down? Attractive though the wide path might be to the world, why would we choose to turn that down? So, it's a narrow way. But don't be upset. Don't preclude it because it's narrow and the other one looks so nice and wide. Don't reject it. Embrace it. Because that is God's way. There's a Max Locado series of kids videos called Hermie the Caterpillar. Fantastic. 
Wish I had time to share it to you. You might think I was patronizing you. But it's a little short at the beginning of one of these stories. And in this journey, Hermie and Wormie, the two caterpillars, are on a journey to Snail's party. And they get told a word of advice before, don't stray off the narrow path. And in this little short, we have about three episodes where something happens. Something's going on. They come and join us over here. Come and do this over here. Come and jump, you know, whatever. And every time he sees himself going off, the little voice says, don't stray off the narrow path. And eventually he makes it to the party with Snell and they all have a, well, I don't know what caterpillars do at a party, but hey, they did that. You know, it occurred to me as I was pondering this, you know, it's, it's very easy to get distracted. It's very easy to get seduced off, to wander off that path. It's not an easy path. What I want to say to you this morning is don't beat yourself up if you do. Just recognize the Lord is constantly tugging you, constantly nudging you back towards that narrow path. And all we have to do when we stumble and fall is to fall on our knees in repentance and redirect our path. Redirect our path. Redirect our path. We're all doing that, if we're honest, all the time. You know, we recognize that it's not easy. But the benefit is huge. Because this is where God is. This is where life, Zoe, is to be found. This is the road that leads to the goal. It's the road that leads to our reward. It's our, our, the road that leads to our inheritance. If you want to turn around one day, if you want God to turn around one day and say to you, well done, good and faithful servant, and we all long to hear him say those words to us, then we're going to need to walk on the narrow road. So, there we go. In response to that, I'm just going to ask you a simple question. Which road have you chosen? Which road have you chosen? Which road are you currently on? Maybe you're hopping betwixt and between the one and the other. And the response today is very simple. Why don't you make a consecrated decision? Why don't you say today, Lord, I desperately want to make it through that narrow gate. Lord, I recognize the cost. I recognize that it'll be hard. I recognize that it is narrow, but Lord, I also recognize that that is where you are. That is where fruitfulness is. That is where inheritance lies. That is life in all its fullness. Why don't you pray a prayer this morning and say, Lord, I want to choose today. I want to choose today to enter your kingdom, that presence, that direct, immediate presence of your spirit. I want to walk into that today. So as we respond, we've got about 15 minutes, plenty of time, as we worship, I'm going to invite you all to say that prayer. I'm going to leave you with one final thought. I think this is a helpful thought. And it goes something like this. Many people think they're following Jesus, but in reality, they've merely invited him to follow them. Quite powerful, actually. Why do you make a choice today 
follow Jesus. Whatever. Let's pray. Wow, Lord, what an invitation. What an invitation. You've shown us what we could have in Christ. And you place before us these two ways. The broad, wide path that's attractive that leads to destruction. This narrow path. The path of saying no. But also the path of saying yes that leads to life. That leads to fullness. That leads to fruitfulness. That leads to that reality of your presence. And Lord, my prayer is today as we sit under your word, as we allow your word, that, that word that contains spirit, that contains life, as we allow it to speak into our hearts, Lord, we pray that it would penetrate. Pray, Lord, that we'd get this in a significant way, that you'd show us once again exactly what it is that you're calling us to. And my desire is that all across this room this morning, people would join me in praying that prayer and saying, yes, Yes, Lord, I'm choosing the narrow gate. I'm choosing the path where you are. I'm going to turn away. I'm going to turn aside. I'm going to opt out of that. And today I'm going to choose to follow Jesus. Holy Spirit, we're all in different places. We all have good days and not so good days. We all stumble. Sometimes we even fall. And we're so grateful that you constantly remind us. You're constantly drawing us, nudging us to walk that narrow way. So Lord, as we give you the next few minutes, Lord, wherever people are in this room, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you just whisper in their ears. You'd speak, convict their hearts if necessary. You'd point them in the right direction. You'd encourage them forward. And I pray that across this room there will be people hearing you call, saying yes. Just feel impressed to say this. If you've never invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and you're hearing me talk today and thinking, yeah, that just makes sense. Why, why would I not do that? Why would I not take the invitation to life? If you've never invited Jesus to be your personal Lord, if you've never received him as your Savior, you've never had your sin washed away. If you've never accepted the reality of the cross and resurrection and stepped into relationship with Jesus, then I'd love to invite you to do that today. You'll have opportunity in a minute. We'll have a time of, of ministry. If you'd like to do that, I'd invite you to come forward. Come talk to one of our ministry team and they'll talk you through a simple prayer that enables you to make that choice today. So Father, we give you the next few minutes. Holy Spirit, we say, would you come and do in us what you need to do. In Jesus' name, amen.